Well, hey, welcome to the Walk On Podcast. It's been a little while since I last posted an episode. I'm actually in the process of writing a book, so that's been taking up much of the time that I would use for recording and editing this podcast. I do hope to feature some future episodes around the content of that book. Uh, But for right now, I wanted to at least post the sermon that I gave at my church for a series we're doing called Frequency, How to Hear God Over Everything Else. In the sermon, I talk about why we believe that God speaks to us, I talk about some tangible prayer practices that you can do to help you listen to God's voice. You can find a link to those resources in the show notes. So here's the sermon. I hope it helps you take your next step in your journey with Jesus. Good morning, and uh, I just want to say thank you so much for gathering with us. Uh, I want to start off with just a little bit of a history lesson for those of you that are under the age of 20, okay? This right here is a television antenna. There's a time before our TVs were connected to the internet. There's a time before TVs were connected to cable or satellite dishes. And the way to watch your television shows, uh, you had to receive a signal of television frequency that traveled through the airwaves, and you did that with a television antenna like this, right? Affectionately called rabbit ears, I guess. and, um, and so what you do, right, is you would turn to the station that you wanted to watch. And, and there's a time before remotes where you had to, like, actually get up and go to the TV to turn to the station. Well, there were remotes. They just were called children, <laughs> right? Billy, turn to Channel 8. But anyway, you turn to the channel you want. But it would come in. It would be, like, a little fuzzy, a little staticky. And so you'd have to go to the antenna, and you'd have to, like, like adjust, you know, to get, get like, the, the image clear. And then, like, nine times out of ten, what would happen is you, you would get it clear, and then you'd let go, and you'd go sit down on the couch, and it would be fuzzy again, <laughs> right? And so you, like, go back to the attendant, and, like, you're, adjust, you're, like, you're sticking your leg out, and you're like, oh, I got it, you know? And people do all kinds of things with their antenna to try to improve the reception. Like, they'd wrap it in foil, aluminum foil, like, do, do all these things to get a clear image, Right, but that, that's what it was all about. That these antennas to receive the, the television frequency traveling through the airways and try to get it just right so, so it's crystal clear. Now, um, today, what's interesting is there are thousands of frequencies traveling through the airwaves. Right? There, there are radio frequencies and television frequencies and cellular frequencies and Wi Fi and Bluetooth and satellite communication. There are all of these frequencies. And on every single frequency, there are hundreds of voices trying to communicate. There's no shortage of voices in our world today, if you think about it, right? On the the radio and television, and then like millions on the internet. Like you can find any frequency, you're going to find a voice trying to capture your attention. In fact, we, we have an economy that a huge part of our economy is built on the economy of attention of getting you to listen to their voice. That that news station that you watch every day and you trust, that that news station intentionally crafts every headline and crafts every message to keep your attention so that you will listen to their voice. That's how they make their money. That social media influencer or the YouTube channel or whatever that you watch, you go to, they intentionally craft their message so that you keep your attention on their voice. There's no shortage of voices in our world trying to fight for our attention. And so 
what we want to do with this series is say, okay, out of all of those voices, how do you know which one matters most? Because this is the truth. Not every voice is created equal, right? There are some voices that are there to help you. There are some voices there that are to hurt you. There are other voices that are just there to distract you. It's just noise, and it keeps you from hearing the voices that help you. And so what we want to do in the next four weeks is say, okay, how do you tune in to the voice that matters the most? And how do you listen to that voice in the clearest way possible? So we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about that. And um, I just want to kind of issue this proposition because um, if there is a God, and if that God is speaking, then wouldn't it make sense that we would want to listen to that? Wouldn't it be vital to hear what God would want to say to us? And, and I just want to acknowledge like that that's maybe kind of weird for some of us to think like God speaks and we can hear God's voice. I mean, let's be honest. There's two types of people that say they hear from God, religious people and crazy people, right? And you may be thinking like, is that really two different categories? Like, I, I get it. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. I, and I also just need to acknowledge that, that there has been real damage and real pain caused when people do horrible things because they thought that they heard God tell them to do it. Right, so, like, I want to acknowledge that as we get into this. But at the same time, like, like that may be true. Some, some of that damage may be true. But if, if God is speaking, then shouldn't we try to listen? Wouldn't it benefit us uh, to, to listen? And so if you'll indulge me here for a few moments as we go through the service today, uh, I just want to lay out the foundation. I'm, I'm not going to try to convince anybody that God exists. I can't convince you that God speaks, but I at least want to lay down the foundation for why we as Christians believe that God speaks to us. And then talk a little bit about how you might begin to position yourself to, to, try, to, to try to hear that voice the best that you can. Because I think it's incredibly vital um, to helping you become the type of people that you are created to be. To do that, we have to hear God's voice. So uh, let's, let's dig into the Bible. The Bible is this ancient document of people's experiences of God and how they understood God and saw him working in the world and, and how they heard God speaking to them. And they recorded these things for us to get this better idea of, of who God is. And later in the series, we're just going to talk a little bit about how the idea of the Bible is one of the ways that God speaks the clearest and most consistently to us. So today we're going to kind of hop, skip, and jump through the Old Testament um, and uh, look at a few different things that I think help lay out at least this understanding as to why we believe God actually does try to speak to us and then how we can position ourselves to best hear from him. So uh, if you have your Bibles open up, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. We're just going to start at the beginning, right? At the very beginning, this um, account of how God created um, the universe and the world around us. And what's interesting, um, I've, I've been, like the last several months, I've just been living in Genesis chapters 1 to 3 and studying it. And there's so many rich things that you can pull out and things that maybe you don't notice right away, but the more you read it and think about it, like these things just these things come to light. And I think there's a, a couple of things that help answer our question about um, why we believe God speaks to us. So Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 1, the opening words of Scripture. 
In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Then God said, and as you go on and you read this creation account, you see that phrase over and over. Anytime God creates something, it says, and God said, and then that, so God's, God's words and his voice is the mechanism by which he creates the universe. Now, maybe that's not new news to you. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, I've read that before, I get it. But the question I have is why? Have you ever thought about that? Why? I mean, like, if God is God, if he's this almighty being, he could have created the universe in any vast number of ways that he, like, he could have just thought it, like, boof, there it was, you know? He could have, like, Thanos snapped his finger, it'd be like the opposite of Thanos snapping, but, like, reverse Thanos snapped his fingers, or he could have done, like, like the I Dream of Genie, and be like, you know, like, boom, everything's there. Like, he, out of all the ways, all the mechanisms that God could have used to create, why why his words? Why does he speak it into existence? Well, my, my hunch is, is that words, when you think about words, words, words are relational, right? Like words are the way that I take my thoughts and my desires and, and I make them known to the people around me through, through my words, Right? Words are, are, are interactive and, and they're relational. And, and I wonder if there's something, some intentionality that God had from the very first moments of creating the universe that he wanted to communicate his desire for relationship. And so he chose to use words, to use his, his voice. And as you continue to read through um, the creation account, you, you get this glimpse a little bit later on day six when God creates mankind. Um, verse 26, it says, then God said, right, again, God's creating, God said, let us make human beings in our image, and God creates human beings in his image, and then a couple of verses later, it says, then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and right, and so, like, this is unique, because nowhere else in the creation account does God directly speak to anything he's created until he creates humanity. Right, God uses his words to create, but then when he creates humanity in his image, then he uses his powerful words and speaks directly to them. God uses his words to bless them, and he uses his words to instruct them, right, to invite them into to partnership with him, to continue um, filling the earth and, and bringing order to it. And so there's, there's this like subtle subtle hint that we have in the very opening pages of the Bible talking about God's intent for creation, that God wants to communicate with humanity. He wants to speak with us. And that's a, that's a simple but yet so profound idea. And if you're taking notes, it's your first blank there in the notes that God wants to speak with us. He's not distant. He's not far off. He's not removed. God wants to communicate with humanity. He wants his voice to be heard. His words are about relationship. They invite relationship with us. And so you kind of see that idea from the, the very, very beginning. Okay, so now let's, 
Um, fast forward a little bit, and let's go to the second book of the Bible. It's a book um, called Exodus. And so um, kind of in the storyline up to this point, God had uh, called a man named Abraham, and through him raised up this nation of people to represent um, represent him to the rest of the world and bless the world through this nation. But then this nation um, goes to Egypt, and they, they get taken in captivity. They're, they're enslaved in Egypt. And so they operate as slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And then we get to Exodus, and we see that God raises up a man named Moses to lead these people to, to freedom. Um, and like all these dramatic things happen, and they, they find themselves free um, and they're in the desert, and they're trying to figure out what kind of people are we meant to be. And, and the book of Exodus chronicles all of that. And what's so fascinating, I find so fascinating about this book, is like all the major moments that, like, if you ever grew up in Sunday school, these moments that you would have heard about, right? Like, like the burning bush, and the, the plagues, and the parting of the Red Sea, like these dramatic moments. All those happen just in the first half of the book of Exodus. The entire second half of the book are these very detailed and honestly kind of boring instructions from God about how to build this tent, this tabernacle. And he goes to like all these details about what this tabernacle should look like and how big it should be and what the fabric should look like and what to embroider on the fabric and what the furnishings inside of this tabernacle should be like and what the priests who work in this tabernacle should do and what they should dress like. All of these like super detailed things about this, this tent, this tabernacle. And this tabernacle, he instructs the, the Israelites to to carry it with them wherever they're going in the desert. And whenever they stop, they're to set up this tent in the middle of their camp. And then, and then God's presence, like his manifest presence would, would fill it. You'd see this cloud hover over it by day or this pillar of fire at night. It's this reminder that God is, is with them. He's among them. He's at the center of their camp. And then at the, the, the tabernacle, in the center of the camp, then in the center of the tabernacle was was this box, this ornate gold-covered box called the Ark of the Covenant. And it's covered in gold, and there's like cherubim on it and all those kind of stuff. Like, have you ever seen like Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark? It's, it's like that. Like, that's actually not too far off of a representation of what the Ark might have looked like, minus like the Nazis' faces melting off like that. That's not in the Bible. But um, <laughs> like, we, like we know, like, because there's such detailed descriptions on how to, to build this and how big, and like we have a pretty good idea of what it, what it would have looked like. And so what's interesting, in Exodus, then God gives one of the reasons and one of the intents for this ark in the middle of this tabernacle, in the middle of the, the camp of the Israelites. And so Exodus 25, verse 22, God, God says this. He says, I will meet with you there and talk to you. I will meet with you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover over the Ark of the Covenant. From there, I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. And so again, we see God's desire to speak with humanity. He's giving this location and giving this place. And the reason he does it, one of the reasons he does this is to say, look, this is where I'm going to speak with you from. And so, Again, like, I have to ask the question, why, right? Like, it's like God goes to, like, these incredible lengths, like the whole second half of Exodus to give these instructions about this tabernacle and this ark. Like, why? Did God need a, a home? Like, did he need a place to hang out? You know, like, 
hey, guys, I need you to build me a house. Okay, great. Now I, now I don't have to be out in the, the weather. Like, no, like God didn't need that. Again, like of all the ways that he could have like communicated and tried to speak why a tabernacle and why the ark. And so I don't think the ark and the tabernacle were about God. They weren't for God. I think they were for the people. And I think God knew that we needed a space to speak with him. We needed to to carve out a a space, carve out um, a place uh, away from the distractions of ordinary life, away from the chaos of life to say, this is where you come to speak with me. I think God knew we needed to be reminded that he's with us and we need to carve out space to listen to his voice. And so there's a lot, of, a lot of things you can get from the tabernacle and from the ark, but I think kind of big picture, one of the ideas is this, that, that we hear God best when we give him space to speak, right? We hear God the best. One of the ways that we can tune in and listen to him the best is when we give him space to carve out and say, okay, this space is for God. And this is where I'm going to to listen to him. We hear God best when he speaks, when we give him the space to speak. And this isn't just a God thing. Like this is just a a general life principle, really, if you think about it, right? Like my wife and I, we'll get home from work and um, it's like chaotic and busy. We're trying to get dinner together and get everybody fed before we get the kids off to practices. And, you know, we're trying to like touch base about like, how was your day? You know, we're trying to have this conversation, but it's all this chaos going on and the kids are interrupting us. And you're like, no, you can't have a snack. We're going to have dinner here in just a minute. You know, like, did you get your cleats? And you're like, we're like all of this, like interruptions. And it's hard to have this conversation in the chaos of, of a busy evening, Right. Or maybe am I the only family that operates like that? <laughs> like, no, it, but, but then sometimes my wife and I will, will get a chance to go out on a date night. And we sit at a table at a quiet restaurant and have uninterrupted conversation. In that, that space, it's so much easier to listen to my wife in that space than at home trying to get things together and all the chaos and interruptions, right? Like, it's just, it's how life operates. We hear best when we give space for somebody to speak. And the same is true with God. We hear God best when we give him the space to speak. So God's words are are about relationship. God desires to speak with us. And we get to hear those words the best when we give him the space to speak. Now, with all that in mind, let's jump forward to another story in the Old Testament. Uh, This one's in um, the book of 1 Samuel. And so at this point, um, this nation of Israel that represents God, they enter the promised land and they settle down and then they kind of go back and forth on representing God well and then, and then they don't. And then they follow God well and then they don't. And that's kind of, the, kind of this cycle. And we get to a point here where um, 1 Samuel picks up and we, we see the, the tabernacle and the ark are set up in this a city called Shiloh. And there's a family of priests that, that are working um, the, in the tabernacle. Um, there's a, a priest named Eli. Uh, he's elderly at this point, and it's a, we're told he's going blind. And then Eli has two grown sons that, that work as priests in the tabernacle. We're told that, that his two sons are evil and corrupt, that they steal people's offerings, the, the gifts that they bring to God, they steal them and use them for themselves. 
And then even worse, they, they openly abuse women in the middle of the tabernacle. These women that come to, to worship God and then these priests um, abuse them. Like this horrible, horrible things that these men that are supposed to represent God and be this connection between the people and God and they're abusing that, they're evil. And then we also read about a boy named Samuel and um, Samuel's parents um, dedicate him for service in the temple. And so we pick up in um, 1 Samuel chapter 3 with the story. Um, verse 1 here says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli the priest. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. Interesting detail. In those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, rare and visions were quite uncommon. So again, I have to ask the question, why? I've been asking that question a lot today. <laughs> but why? 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 Was it because God wasn't speaking? Or could it be because people weren't listening? Like, given what we know about God's intent, all through Scripture, the things that we've already read before, do you think God stopped speaking? And then given what we know about the heart of the priests working in the temple, do you think maybe it just was that people weren't listening? So the story goes on. Uh, verse 2, one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Interesting detail. Of all the places for Samuel to sleep, he sleeps in the tabernacle near the ark of God. And what were we told about the ark in Exodus? That's where God is going to speak from, right? I wonder what will happen. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> Verse four, suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and he ran to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied, go back to bed. So he did. Right? This, is, this is so fascinating. God calls out, Samuel. And Samuel doesn't recognize his voice. He thinks it's Eli. He runs to Eli. Eli what, what do you need, Eli? Now, this, this pattern repeats itself three different times. And on the third time, finally, verse 8, we pick up. says, then Eli realized. Eli's like, oh, maybe something's going on here. Eli realized it's the Lord calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, okay, go lie down again. And if someone calls you, Say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came as before. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then God said to Samuel, God spoke to Samuel. And he goes on to give Samuel a message that's not very great news for Eli and his sons. But, but you see, like Samuel starts this trajectory, then he, he grows and he becomes this prophet of God who hears from God and communicates God's desires to the, the people of Israel. And again, we see God's desire to speak. God desires to speak with humanity, even when they're not listening and even when they don't know his voice. What I love about the story is God's persistence. He doesn't give up. He calls out, and he calls out again, and he calls out again. God wants to speak with us. 
And he doesn't stop trying to speak, even when we're not listening, and even when we don't recognize his voice, he calls out again and again and again. I love that the faithfulness of God that we see in this story. And so we see three different responses to God's voice in this story. We see the, the two sons of Eli, and they are actively trying to tune out God's voice. Right? They are ignore, doing everything they can to run from God's voice and instead listen to their own voice, their own desires, their own flesh. Right? They just do what they want to do. Uh, you see Eli, the, the priest, and it seems to me that Eli's living off of old words. Right? That maybe at one time he'd heard from God and had this connection with God, but it seems like now that that's grown distant. Um, and that he's grown further and further from God's voice. And then you have Samuel. Samuel doesn't know God's voice, but yet he responds when he hears it. He doesn't know quite what it is, but yet he, he responds. He notices it, and he's trying to figure it out, and he's confused about it, but, but he's responding because he's listening, because he's positioned himself in a place to hear God speak. And honestly, I love that, that idea of Samuel, that um, he doesn't have it all figured out, right? He doesn't know God's voice. It's a little confusing to him, and he needs some help and guidance to understand it. And that's the journey we are all on, right? Like trying to figure out, okay, God, how are you speaking, and what are you trying to say, and what does your voice sound like? And Luke's going to dig into that next week in more detail about how do we recognize God's voice, and how do we know it's God speaking, but I love, I love just the, the idea of that relationship, that process, uh, you know, of trying to like work through it and it's confusing and it's not always clear, but, but Samuel was listening and he was trying his best to position himself in a place for God to speak. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And that's, that's my prayer for every one of us as we, we journey through these next four weeks to make that the prayer of our hearts. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now, I can't control then how God responds, but at least I can control, am I positioned to hear from him or not? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So, so this is my challenge to each one of us as we go through these next four weeks of this series. My challenge is to, to find Every day, find a space that you can carve out to try to listen to God. Because God's words are relational. God wants to speak with us. Side note, it's interesting as you read into the Gospels, in, in the Gospel of John, in the opening sentences, John begins to describe Jesus as the Word, which is really interesting. Jesus is the fullness of God. And the way that we see God the clearest is is in Jesus. And Jesus is the one that paves the way for that relationship, for that conversation to even exist. He's the word. God's words are, are relational. It's about this connection, this, this interaction. And so then if, if, God, if we hear God speak the clearest when we create that space, then the question is, what are you doing to create that space? And what are you doing to try your best to, to tune in and hear the frequency of God's voice, the, the clearest that you can. 
And so uh, I put together just some, a little resource that um, might be helpful to you if you're like, I don't even know where to begin. Um, in your bulletin is a QR code, or you can get it on ecrossroads.info. But I just put together um, some thoughts about how to do this exercise, a type of prayer called listening prayer. Listening prayer. Now, a lot of times, if you're like me, when you go to pray, it's, it's kind of like just me talking. <laughs> or like I bring my like, grocery list to God, and I'm like, God, I need you to do this, and I need you to show up here, and I need you to heal this person, and I need you to intervene. You know, like, I need you to provide here. Like, and it's, if I'm not careful, then it's just, it's just me talking the whole time. And that's good, right? Like God wants us to, to intercede for other people, and he wants us to be praying for other people. Like that's a, that's a right thing. But remember, I said God wants a relationship. And relationships are two-way communication. And so it's right for us to to bring those requests to God in prayer, but it's also vital to shut up sometimes and listen to see if God's going to speak to us. That's that that relationship, that two-way communication. So listening prayer is is just a a chance to do that. It's it's a guide, um, a resource that you can walk through and just a way to carve out, you know, and it's, it's, it's not like, hours at a time. It's just, you start with just a few minutes if you want, but just find some silence and then invite God to help you tune into his voice, um, to help him keep voices that want to distract or to harm away from you so that you can hear his voice clearly. And uh, as you choose to do this, if you step in and try it, it's, it's going to be weird and awkward. Um, you're going to have all these distractions you have all these random thoughts pop in your head, you know, and, and that's okay. That's okay. It's just part of the process of, of learning and, and trying to listen to God's voice. And so one of the tips I, I give there in that guide is to, when you do that, to have like a, a notebook and you, you draw a line down the middle and um, any thought that pops in your head, just write it down. Right? Like for me, like I try to do this and like, it's amazing. I think of all the things that I need to do. Like, oh, I got to take out the trash tonight and oh, I got to pay this bill and oh, right? Like those things just come to your mind. Like, and so you just write them down, and then you don't have to worry about them anymore. Like, they're out of your head. You know they're there. You can come back to them later, and then you can try to listen. And then after those few minutes of listening, you come out listening to God and with your to-do list all the way, already done, right? Like, it works out. It's a win-win, right? But it's going to be awkward. It's going to be difficult. And, and let me be real with you. Listening takes work, right? It's work to try to listen to somebody. And it takes work to try to discern, like, okay, is this God's voice or is this the burrito I had at lunch? Like, what am I feeling here? What's going on? And, and so part of that, that notebook is, like, you write down, like, the, the distracting thoughts or the things that pop in your head. But then the other side, you write down things that you think, well, maybe this, maybe this was God. And Luke will talk about this more later in the series, but God speaks in a variety of ways. Right? So when you sit down and do this listening prayer, it's not like, like the heavens are going to open up and a light's going to shine down and be like, Brunt, this is the Lord speaking, right? It, it's not like that. Um, as we'll discover, God's voice is often this still, small voice, more of a whisper. Um, and a lot of times God will speak um, by, by giving you a, a thought or um, a, a, an image in your mind. He'll speak by bringing scripture to your mind or a song lyric to your mind. Um, sometimes you just have this like, like feeling, like kind of this gut feeling. Like God speaks in a lot of different ways. He speaks through other people. He, th- he speaks through circumstances. And so the challenge then is to, to write those down. Like, I think maybe God is saying this, right? I think maybe this. 
And then you take that list and then you, you go find somebody like a trusted mentor or a spiritual advisor um, and you talk through that like, hey, so when I was trying to listen in prayer and I think maybe God said this, what do you think? Right? And, and you could compare everything that you said, you, you see if that lines up with scripture, right? Because God's not going to contradict what he's already spoken to us in scripture. And another good way to know, like, is this God's voice or not, is what does it produce in you? Right? We talk about like fruit of the spirit, right? So the fruit of the spirit are the things that are produced when God's working in us. And so when you have these thoughts or you think God's speaking in this way, does it, does it lead you to feel love or in joy and peace? and patience, and kindness, and self-control. Like, does it produce in you the fruits of the Spirit? And then that's probably God speaking. If it produces in you, like, fear, and anxiety, and shame, and condemnation, that's probably a harmful voice trying to speak to you, right? So, so you can, like, compare that. And so, like, all this I'm saying is just to, like, let an expectation that this is, this is some effort. Like, this is some work. But what an incredible opportunity to hear from God, to, to hear him speak. And it's, it's not a formula. It's not like if you do ABC, then God will have to do X, Y, and Z. It's a relationship. Relationships aren't formulas. It's about you seeking the heart of God and giving space for God to speak to you. And then as you do this, and I hope that you try it this week. I hope you carve out just a few minutes and just put it into practice. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll get with it, and the more you'll begin to discern God's voice. And then something interesting will happen. Then you'll begin to hear God at other times of the day. Like you begin to see God in, in like the chaotic moments. And you'll begin to recognize his voice there, and you'll begin seeing his fingerprints all over everything. And you'll begin to realize like, maybe God's with me the entire time. Right? If you ever have like a, like a best friend or somebody that you just spend a lot of time with, maybe a coworker or your spouse or something, right? Like when you first met that person, you didn't really know them. You didn't know all their like idiosyncrasies and you didn't know like their expressions and stuff. But when you spend a lot of time with somebody, then like you don't even, they don't even have to say a word. Like you can just see their facial expression and you're like, I know what you're thinking, Right? Like, 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 yeah, that's how, how you can be across the room from somebody and you see them, like, give you that look and you're like, yep, I know what you're saying. And, and that, that's how, the more you spend time seeking God and seeking his heart and learning his voice, then you begin to see him all over the place where you didn't realize he was there. You didn't realize maybe he was speaking in that way. And it's just, what an incredible opportunity to try to tune in and, and let God speak to us. So um, I just want to maybe acknowledge, like, the skeptics in the room. Like, this is weird to say, like, we can hear from God, right? I get that. And, and so, like, I still want to encourage you to try that, though. Try to carve out that space. Because, what? okay, let's say God isn't real. And let's say God doesn't speak. What are you going to lose? You'll spend three minutes in quiet with your own thoughts, <laughs> which isn't a bad thing in our crazy, noisy, chaotic world, right? But what if? What if the creator of the universe does want to speak with you? What if God wants to remind you that he is with you, that you're not alone, 
What if God wants to speak his love to you? What if God wants to use his words to build that relationship with us? Are you listening? Are you listening? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. All right, let's, let's pray. God, I thank you for just the incredible reminder, the, the way that your word reveals your desire to speak with us. And so, God, I pray that in the following weeks, that we would be intentional about carving out a few minutes, a few moments of silence where we can try to listen to you. And I pray that as we seek after you, you will reveal yourself, that we will find you like your word promises. We can begin to hear from you. So speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.